Hello and welcome to another Imagining Freedom podcast, which is focused on our rights and freedoms. Over the past year, I've made huge efforts to build bridges and to avoid divisiveness because I hate even saying the word COVID, coronavirus, has been such a divisive experience. And that divisiveness has been really encouraged, I think, by the mass media, by politicians, whether they've intended to or not. That's the way it seems. In 2020, I was regularly going to protests that were held every week for several months. But I stopped doing that. And that was one of the reasons. And I don't know whether this was a right or the wrong thing to do. But for me, it just felt that the protesters were being portrayed in a very negative way. And that it just wasn't, the the message wasn't getting across or that it was appearing too aggressive. I don't know what, no disrespect to the people who still go out and pre- protest week after week. Complete kudos to them. They're doing the right thing for them. And I've always thought that I might go back and protest, but it doesn't feel right for me personally. I've met so many wonderful people at these protests. So it's nothing against protesting and I think the right to protest should be upheld obviously it's very important but for the ordinary person in the street they don't seem to be getting the message they seem to be getting the message that the protesters are being crazy conspiracy theories theorists who don't believe that COVID exists or something I don't know what but we're just being portrayed very negatively so I've really been trying over the past year to build bridges and it seemed that that was going very well But sadly, over the Christmas and New Year period, it's all blown up in a really horrible way. I think the underlying reason is lack of communication about the issue of COVID. But my sister thinks that the underlying reason is because we both have different opinions about COVID. I don't see why that should cause angst. I mean, I've got a very good friend who I see regularly We both love hill walking and go out on hill walks all the time. We have different views on COVID. She has all her vaccinations up to date. I don't have vaccinations. And we discuss it regularly. And sometimes we have robust discussions, but we agree to disagree. Actually, we agree on a lot. But we're able to discuss it without falling out, without getting incredibly upset or having temper tantrums. And I'm really sad that that's not the case with other people. Right at the beginning of this pandemic or whatever it is, I was able to discuss COVID. I'm not really sure why that changed. I remember my sister, she's got a medical background, sent me some information about COVID. I can't even remember what it was, but I remember it was a very, very long paper, but I read part of it and I was impressed. It wasn't changing my views in any way. It was just adding information. And I thanked her. And I also sent her the article that Professor David Katz wrote in the New York Times way back in early 2020. He had an alternative idea to lockdown. This was just when lockdown was being discussed. He was suggesting a kind of herd immunity among the people who were fitter and less immunocompromised so that... Once they'd built up immunity, then they they would be more safe to look after the people who were more vulnerable and the, and the vulnerable could self-isolate. And my sister thought the article was really good. And then at the beginning of lockdown, 
I was appalled because it was the state enforcement that I was against, not that we should, that COVID didn't exist or anything. So my sister told me about the paper by Neil Ferguson and said it was really about protecting the NHS from being overwhelmed. And I took that on board and I said, okay, right. Um, Inside, I thought, yeah, right. But I thought, well, we'll see what happens. And then a few weeks later, we were still in lockdown and I just asked her a question. I said, we're still in lockdown. The NHS is definitely not overwhelmed and the curve has been well and truly flattened. Why are we still in lockdown? And she just got really angry and said, I can't talk about this now, I'm too busy. So I got the impression that really COVID was off limits after that and I had to really tiptoe around the subject. And then in 2020, I remember this quite clearly because I was on my way out to a protest in October and it was a special Halloween protest geared towards family. It was really like a kind of picnic in the park type thing. And I'd actually offered someone a lift. So I was in a bit of a rush, rushing to get out of the house. And my sister suddenly dropped in unexpectedly. And I said, I'm sorry, I'm just on my way out. And she said, where are you going? And I said, I'm just going to a protest. And she said, all right, which protest? And I said, anti-lockdown. And she blew up. She said, I've got, I know people in the NHS are absolutely run off their feet over this. I said, it's not about that. I support people in the NHS. And I was going to say, this is about government enforcing lockdown on people but I didn't get the chance to say it because she just flew off in a rage and she said I don't want to talk about this now we could end up falling out over it I was just standing there with my mouth open I thought how can we fall out over Covid we've always been really close and we've always had a quite temperamental relationship actually but That's got better over the years. And since my parents died, especially, we've been very close and very supportive of each other. So I was aghast at the thought that just because I'd chosen to go on a protest against lockdown, (laughs) that could be the reaction. So I went along to the protest and it was a time when they were really clamping down on protests as well. And the police raided it. I spoke about this in a different podcast at the time. I don't know if it was that. I did continue to go to protests for a while afterwards, but not for many more. After that, I decided that it was too divisive. And that's when I thought I should start really building bridges with people who I knew were very scared about the whole thing. And that's been my, that, that's been my aim ever since, to try and understand people if possible and have discussions where possible but it's been impossible to do that with my sister on the 29th of November she sent me a message and she said in the message it's your choice whether you're vaccinated but I think that you're not and it's just a warning she was warning me she thought that I was endangering my life basically by not being vaccinated maybe I am maybe I'm not but twice in that message she said we don't need to have a discussion about this but she made clear that she was just saying it because she felt she couldn't say she couldn't not say it she was only saying it because she loved me and was concerned about my health so i sent her what i hope was a loving message back and kind of explained 
why I wasn't going to be vaccinated, but thanked her for her concern. I didn't get any more communication about it and we were able to be friends. But the issue was so difficult. And then shortly after that, she said, please come for Christmas dinner. And my niece, who's been in the States, apparently was going to come over. And she said they would do the main course and could I do the first course? And I was really happy about that, especially since I've been a little bit off Christmas because my mum died on Christmas Eve 2019. I'd been caring for my mum and staying in her house and... The last thing I wanted to do was to have Christmas sitting in my mum's house without her being there. I thought I'm going to be really miserable. So instead, I decided to do a hill walk because I love hill walking. And I teamed up with someone else who doesn't celebrate Christmas because of his religion. And we had a great time climbing a mountain, met someone else who's a friend. And there was a sort of sense of release because my mum had been... She'd suffered a stroke and she'd been in hospital for a month and we knew that she didn't want to linger in hospital. She'd said that to us several times. So in a way, we knew that she was going to die and it was just, it made Christmas really difficult. So the following year, my sister said, why don't we all do a walk, but we'll also have Christmas dinner. So we had a kind of... um, understated Christmas dinner. It was very pleasant and we went for a breezy hill walk and that was great. So this year was the first proper Christmas, especially since my niece hadn't been able to come over last Christmas and I was really looking forward to seeing her again. So I got quite excited about it. I had all my presents wrapped and I had so much food planned for the first course because there was a distant relative and a neighbour were also joining us. Anyway, I'm just wondering how much to say of this. On Christmas Eve, I'd just received this card from an old family friend and she said that she was going to toast our parents and her parents on the second anniversary of my mum's death on Christmas Eve with a glass. She was going to raise a glass to them. And that's what I did. I had my dinner. I'd just got everything sorted out. I had a glass of wine and I toasted my parents and her parents And then I texted my sister to say what I'd done. My sister replied, oh, how lovely. And then about 45 minutes later, I got this message from my niece who had just arrived that day, understandably, but still she could have sent it at any time. In fact, the first message I got was from my sister and it was a really weird, disjointed message saying, is there any chance that we could just go for a dog walk tomorrow? Because, well, I I don't know if you've seen... My daughter's message, trying not to use names here, but it's going to be a really dreadful Christmas. And I just couldn't believe it. I just sat there in shock. I thought, what the hell? I sat there for about five minutes. I've hardly heard from my niece this this year. And that's another thing that I find kind of difficult. But I thought she's 25. I remember when I was that age, I was often far too busy trying to get my career launched and stuff like that to keep in touch with older relatives. So I looked at Facebook, that's where she generally messages me if she does message me, which is very rare these days. And I just saw this message saying, Hi Natalie, would you be up for a socially distanced masked walk tomorrow? 
My docs told me that because I've got rheumatoid arthritis and I'm on medication for it, I mustn't be around any vaxed, unvaxed people indoors. And I was just so horrified. It just seemed so callous. I hadn't heard from her for ages. And I, I couldn't... She could have messaged me at any time. My sister had told me that she had her daughter had had rheumatoid rheumatoid arthritis it runs in our family my mum had it and that she was worried about her my mum had it after my dad died it flared up and she had lots of problems with her fingers but my mum would never have heard of me not coming for christmas dinner or not even being around her even in when she was in her late 80s and had a lot of frailties Quite often, if there was a cold or flu going round, I would be really worried that I might be transmitting it, even though I wasn't actually sick with it. And I'd say, Mum, I'm really worried about passing this on to you. I'll just stay outside here. And she'd say, Natalie, come inside. Don't be silly. That was her attitude. So this was a total shock to me. And especially the day before Christmas, the evening before Christmas, on the second anniversary of my mum's death, I was just uh, absolutely shocked and upset. So I wrote back saying, no, I would not be happy with a walk. I don't know why you couldn't have told me this before. And instead, I went for a walk on Christmas Day. I didn't want to be around the house. But I felt it was it was not so much that I felt angry. I was angry, but I really felt upset to the point that if I saw anything Christmassy, I felt the tears welling up. So I just had to get out of the house. I had a really nice walk in the end, but I still, you know, it was a sort of bittersweet walk. At the end of it, I remember I was sitting in my car. I decided to leave my lunch because it was such a cold day. I thought, I'll wait until I'm back at the car. I'd been out for about four or five hours and I wanted to put the radio on, but I was dreading that they might be playing Christmassy music or talking about something Christmassy. And I switched it on. I was so lucky because it was a broadcast by a man called Horatio Clare, and he was doing this programme about climbing Ben Nevis. It was very sort of poetic and obviously pre-recorded. It was perfect. Just what I wanted to listen to at that time. So I ended up having not too bad a day. And I'm sure there were other people all around the country, all around the world, who had similar upsets over this stupid, blooming pandemic. I, I shouldn't say nonsense because I know that people have died from it. But honestly, it's just so upsetting. Over the past year, I have had, I've heard about two people who I either know or a friend's mum who was in her 90s who died of COVID. I've had two friends who have died of lung cancer, one friend who committed suicide, one person who dropped dead unexpectedly. People die, there are tragedies in the world. I'm sick of the obsession with this one thing. I don't know why. It, it really upsets me that we had to add this kind of family trauma to it. And basically, ever since this happened, and you know, in the couple of weeks since it's happened, or the week since it's happened, um, I have been discussing it with my sister, and we've been working it through. I thought we were getting somewhere because it's really about the lack of communication, I think. But again, we've kind of come to a stalemate. I don't want to kind of 
go into all our family ups and downs. But at the heart of it, I think, is the communication. You know, I've got this good friend that I can discuss COVID with. We've got different ideas on some aspects of it and similar ideas on other aspects. And we can get on fine. But it's a shame. I didn't realise how bad my niece's rheumatoid arthritis was. And I wish we could have discussed it, either me and my niece, because we used to have a really special bond um, or me and my sister or all of us. I wish we'd just been, been able to just discuss that. If she'd come to me with her fears and said a few weeks ago, that a few weeks before Christmas, that she was really worried about my not being vaccinated, we could have maybe worked something out. I might have been upset initially, but I'm sure I wouldn't. You know, I have had people come up to me and say things like this. And I've really tried my best to be understanding about it. It was, it's the way it was sprung on me the night before Christmas was really awful. And we've managed to discuss this, me and my sister, but we've come to another stalemate because now my sister is taking umbrage because she thinks that I was, I'm accusing her of deliberately not being open about it or something, which isn't the case. And I don't think there should be any actual rights or wrongs. I think it's a lack of communication. And really, at the basis of all this, I don't understand why many people find it so difficult to discuss this issue, why we all have to be exactly on the same page, why we can't have thoughts on different ways to approach this situation, this pandemic or epidemic, whatever it is. I don't know why people get so angry and upset about it. Maybe it's as math Professor Matthias Desmet has been calling it a kind of mass formation, almost like a mass hypnotism. Maybe it's a kind of cult. Or maybe it's just pure fear. I think it's the latter. I think I think yes, I think there is something like a mass formation. But I think there's fear, it's this negative emotion of fear that's driving this terrible, not wanting to think about alternative ways to deal with the, the whole thing, not wanting, you know, it's driving this, this kind of trauma that's un unbalancing people, making them so emotionally wrought, so um, brittle and liable to erupt in anger. I think maybe I haven't acknowledged how fearful how fearful people are. I have acknowledged that people are fearful. That's why I've always been prepared to wear a mask if someone asks me to, if they're genuinely fearful, and it's not about political reasons, if they're fearful of catching the disease or of maybe passing it on to a relative or something. I have agreed to wear a mask in those cases, and I've tried to be understanding as well. But even so, I think I haven't acknowledged just how fearful people are. It's not that I don't fear the disease. I just have a completely different attitude. If someone told me, if you could get an actual fortune teller who told me, look, you're going to die of COVID in six months' time, I would want to live my life to the fullest. That's the way I see it. I think that there's very little chance of me catching COVID seriously or certainly of losing my life to it. But it is a possibility. 
And if that happens, you know, I'm always aware that this is a possibility. I'm more and more aware of my own mortality. The older I get, the more relatives I lose and the more friends I lose. I have lost several friends over the years. And as that awareness grows, it makes me want to live my life more to the full. That's the difference. It's not that I don't fear it. I don't want to get COVID. I don't want to get it seriously. And my heart goes out to people who have had it seriously, like my friend who had it very badly in February 2020 after we went out for drinks. I think she thinks I passed it on to her, but I never had it, you know. Maybe she thinks I was a nice asymptomatic carrier. But actually, at the time, I was mixing with a lot of people at the climbing centre and I was... I had those concerns myself, but then I noticed that none of those people got ill. So there's so many unknowns in these in this situation as well. I just wish we could have balanced, rational communication that people who have a different view about COVID could put their views without it causing outrage. And on both sides, I know there's people, and I I don't even want there to be both sides. I think it's really sad that we have to have sides in this. But I wish people that didn't believe in vaccinations or lockdowns could also be more calm about people who do. I wish that everyone could be more relaxed about the whole thing. I wish that people who were vaccinated could just accept that the vaccinations protect them but there's always risks and not demand that other people get vaccinated as well and if they are so so fearful of unvaccinated people I just wish we could discuss it and make arrangements and say okay I won't be around you at this time but let me at least be around other people who aren't so scared, you know. I just want to have, maybe that should be my, that. well, this is my desire for 2022, that we could just have some more calmness and rationality around the whole discussion instead of flare-ups and anger, finger-pointing and a- accusations. And you never know what's around the corner. I might get really ill, who knows. But I noticed that just about everyone I know has had COVID, sometimes twice. And it doesn't matter whether they're vaccinated or unvaccinated. Vaccinated and unvaccinated people alike seem to have had it, sometimes badly, sometimes not so badly. But I haven't. Or maybe I have and I didn't notice it. I seem to be almost the only person I know who hasn't had the blooming thing, apart from my friend who I go hill walking with. She also hasn't had it. We see each other regularly and we drive in the same car regularly. She works in an office, in a busy office. So she's in contact with people all the time. So it's not just that I'm on my own a lot of the time. I work from home, so I don't see many people. If that was the case, then she might pass it on to me. But we both of us don't have it. I don't know. Maybe there's a lesson in that because... Both of us are quite relaxed about it. We don't think about it all the time. Sometimes we talk about it. Most of the time we're talking about something else. Most of the time we're just enjoying life, doing our hill walks. I'm a great believer in what you focus on. 
is quite often what happens. And it's not because of some kind of weird woo-woo. It's because what we set our minds on is basically what we almost talk talk our bodies into achieving. And if we set our, our minds on worrying about illness, I really think that we're more likely to get it. Okay, that might be famous last words, but I don't know. Anyway, I would like to wish everyone a happy and relaxed 2022. If you've enjoyed listening to my podcast, please subscribe so that you don't miss future episodes. If you'd like to make a comment, download a transcript or view the show notes, go to imaginingfreedom.co.uk. Thanks for listening.